this is Dr. Bob Evans, and welcome to our podcast, Parental Alienation from Couch to Courtroom and Beyond. We will discuss the resisting and refusing dynamic, commonly referred to as parental alienation, how you'll know it's happening in your case, and what can be done about it. Parental alienation can cause stress and trauma in high-conflict cases. These podcasts focus on how attorneys and mental health professionals can support families and children. Hello. I'd like to talk today about an article a very close colleague of mine, uh, Dr. Stephen Miller, uh, did a number of years ago, um, and it was on the topic of interpersonal boundary violations. His point of the article that he wrote It's that these are often missed, and they're often dismissed, which is really a significant problem in the area of parental alienation. So Dr. Miller talked about a boundary is a line, a limit, or a space that separates one thing from another. Boundaries can be physical and visible, or non-physical and invisible. A physical boundary is a structural barrier that often has a protective function. Our skin, for example, not only serves as a container or a a boundary, if you will, for our internal structures, but also serves as a protective barrier to shield us from toxins, pathogens, and other environmental threats. An interpersonal boundary is an invisible line, a limit, or a space that in a given culture separates one person from another. Like physical boundaries, interpersonal boundaries can have protective functions. Such boundaries reflect generally accepted norms of behavior and define what is considered acceptable or unacceptable behavior. They define a comfort zone and are essential to physical, mental, and emotional health. This is true for both children and adults, and especially for relationships between children and adults. Very importantly, appropriate boundaries, in other words, normal, healthy boundaries, play a major role in the development and maintenance of personality traits and personal qualities such as self-esteem, individuality, independence, autonomy, critical reasoning, and decision-making. This latter point warrants emphasis because people who fail to develop appropriate boundaries tend to make poor decisions in many areas, especially in their relationships. Without an adequate understanding of interpersonal boundaries, it is difficult to get along with others and difficult to get along in the world. A boundary violation occurs when one person crosses a line, physical, psychological, or emotional. That should exist between that person and another. Unfortunately, uh, but not very surprisingly, boundary violations are very common in dysfunctional families. And yet some mental health and legal professionals, even those who work in the family court system, fail to recognize the presence and or the clinical significance of such violations with respect to diagnosis, treatment, prognosis, and causation. This is a serious professional error. 
that can have dire consequences for all members of the family. The clinical literature contains massive documentation regarding the harmful effects of boundary violations on children and adults. We, we can't go into all of the research at this time, but um, it's important to know that there are a few things more damaging to a child than boundary violations. Few things more damaging to a child than boundary violations, particularly if they are multiple, ongoing, or severe. So for illustration, physical boundary violations include trespassing, theft, inappropriate or unwanted touching, assault or battery, incest, rape, and any type of interpersonal violence, and unless it's in self-defense, and even then, the law actually says we have to have some measured responses, reasonable responses um, to those types of violations. For psychological or emotional boundary violations, the list is long. It includes unkind comments, uninvited or unwanted criticism, racial, ethnic, religious, gender-based, or other slurs based on membership in a group or class, trivialization of another's thoughts, wishes, or feelings, over-controlling behavior, inappropriate familiarity, inappropriate or premature intimacy, inappropriate sharing, for example, sharing personal financial information or legal information, and many others. If you're familiar with parental alienation, you might be seeing a little bit of a uh, pattern here. The unkind or unwanted criticisms not only include criticisms of an individual, him or herself, but of the individual's family, friends, associates, or loved ones. So, for example, most people understand that, even among close friends. It would generally be inappropriate to tell a friend that his or hers his or her partner is strikingly unattractive. The mere fact that it might be true, at least in the eyes of the person who makes that comment, is really irrelevant. In our society, normal people don't do that. For the same reason, it is a boundary violation to make disparaging remarks to a child about his or her parent or other relatives. This point's very relevant to parental alienation. A family dynamic in which one parent has attempted to undermine a child's relationship with the other parent through the use of indoctrination, manipulation, and other techniques. For children, there's another consideration. In judging whether the behavior of an adult represents a boundary violation of a child, one must consider whether the adult's behavior is age-appropriate for the child. Thus, inappropriate sharing of personal, financial, or legal information is a boundary violation because, in general, it's not appropriate to share such information with a minor child. Boundary violations are exceedingly damaging to children. Children who are subjected to repeated or severe boundary violations rarely, if ever, recover completely. If one grown-up in a home where boundary violations are common and one is not likely to develop a deep understanding of interpersonal boundaries. Let me repeat that. If one grows up in a home where boundary violations are common, 
one is not likely to develop a deep understanding of interpersonal boundaries. In adulthood, such individuals are likely to violate other people's boundaries, thus putting them at great risk for a wide variety of failures, including failed marriages, failed relationships, and failed careers. We see a familiar pattern in parental alienation cases where the alienating parent has experienced boundary violations in their childhood. Failure to recognize the potentially catastrophic effects of boundary violations on a child's psychological and emotional development is a serious error. And unfortunately, it's also a very common error. Boundary violations meet standard definitions for child psychological abuse. For example, in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the DSM-5, as we know it from the American Psychiatric Association, it defines child psychological abuse as child psychological abuse is non-accidental, verbal, or symbolic acts by a child's parent or caregiver that results or have reasonable potential to result in significant psychological harm to the child. If you're interested, you can find that on page 719 of the DSM-5. One does not have to be a mental health professional or a legal expert to see that boundary violations meet this definition. Oh, as well as parental alienation and pathological enmeshment. Thus, Unless trivial, boundary violations are a type of child abuse, though we should not single out children in this regard since repeated or extreme boundary violations also meet standard criteria for abuse in adults. Parental alienation, the diagnosis, is usually made by a qualified mental health professional using a family systems approach to oversimplify the basis of this approach is to consider certain key criteria or factors. And we use the five-factor model of parental alienation to do this. Number one is that the uh, child is obviously resisting or rejecting a parent. And number two, that parent had a previously positive relationship um, between the child and themselves. The third factor is that there's an absence of maltreatment or physical or sexual abuse by the rejected parent. And the fourth factor is that the alienating or favorite parent is executing any of the 17 recognized strategies that was described by Baker and Find, and we use this all the time. And basically, it's been recently validated in a number of articles, actually. And then the fifth factor is that the children are exhibiting any of the behavioral manifestations or refer to them as symptoms of parental alienation. This approach is based on well-validated clinical concepts. Regardless of what you may hear from other folks, it's a well-validated clinical concepts. And we, we recognize that. The uh, reliability and validity of the uh, previously, it was a four-factor model was published in the American Journal of Family Therapy in 2018. The widespread use of the, this criteria does have a bit of a downside. 
At times, their use has eclipsed other clinical clues as to the cause of a child's alignment. One such clue is a history of boundary violations in the family. Specifically, some should look for a history of boundary violations by one or both parents towards the aligned or targeted alienated child, or by the child towards one or both parents. Is there a history of boundary violations in a family directed by one parent or the other or both? With alienation, boundary violations tend to follow a pattern. There are boundary violations by the favored parent of both the child and the targeted or disfavored parent, the alienated parent. But for the most part, not by the disfavored or the rejected parent. With estrangement, boundary violations tend to be committed by the alienating or disfavored parent. In that case, we call that estrangement. It is not alienation. In hybrid cases, boundary violations tend to be committed by both parents, the rejected parent and the so-called favored parent. That said, a caveat is in order. The pattern does not necessarily have to be, quote, pure to be significant. If a large majority of behavioral violations are by one parent but not the other, that is probably significant. Still, that determination will generally require case-specific clinical judgment in order to rule in or roll out parental alienation. Um, Incidentally, uh, we note that boundary violations are a defining feature of parental alienation. Therefore, any parent who is engaged in parental alienation has also engaged in boundary violations, although the inverse is not true. For example, bad-mouthing, limiting contact, undermining trust and authority, and any other alienating behavior almost always involves boundary violations. Boundary violations are also a defining feature of pathological enmeshment. In this context, enmeshment is a family dynamic in which one parent has essentially engulfed the child such that the parent has not only violated the child's boundaries, but obliterated them. By definition, the enmeshed parent has erased the normal healthy boundaries that should exist between a parent and a child, thus weakening havoc on the child's psychological and emotional development while essentially hijacking the child to meet that parent's own needs. Concurrent enmeshment is not is common in cases of severe alienation. Let me repeat that. Concurrent enmeshment is common in cases of severe alienation. For obvious reasons, enmeshment, like behavioral violations, is exceedingly damaging to children. This is not surprising since its core enmeshment entails severe behavioral violations and childhood behavioral violations are known to be a major risk factor for a multitude of serious problems in adulthood. Although behavioral violations are a hallmark of both alienation and enmeshment, they have received relatively little attention in this regard. Often, the clinical significance and the need for urgent intervention is not appreciated by those who evaluate and manage cases of child alignment. To assist with evaluation and management, professionals 
should, must actively seek evidence of behavior violations. Courts really need to be aware of this phenomenon. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. For more information on this topic, please visit www.drbobevans.com or www.naopas.com. We offer classes for both legal and mental health professionals to help educate them on the signs and strategies of parental alienation and how to move forward for a healthier environment for the children of divorce. Please visit www.naopas.com and sign up for our courses and use coupon code PODCAST for a 50% discount. Mm-hmm.